Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by John T-Shirt and JohnnyTShirt.com. John Siegel here with Mike Ingersoll and EJ Wilson. Guys, let's start with the Miami game from last Saturday. And I wanted to get y'all's thoughts on the big alumni tailgate that happened. Mike, how was the turnout for that one, man? Uh, it was uh, it was phenomenal. And I, I've been meaning to send out an email to everybody that came, uh, and I will at some point this week, thanking everybody for coming. But it was a phenomenal uh, phenomenal turnout. It was it was a really great time. We saw a lot of guys from a lot of different eras. We even had a surprise appearance by Jeff Reed and Jeff Saturday, um, you know, which is great for a lot of guys who've never had a chance to meet them before. Um, and, you know, obviously a ton of guys that, you know, me and EJ played with directly and, um, you know, other guys like Shaq Rashad, Vipolis was there, a um, bunch of people. Ross Martin, Ross, uh, Ross showed up randomly out of nowhere. Um, but uh, we, we had a, we had a really good time. Um, I'll let EJ elaborate on it some more, but it really went off wonderfully. I, I would, I would say the, but it was a perfect night, uh, obviously the way that it ended. So from start to finish Saturday was, was amazing. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with Mike. I mean, it was absolutely wonderful to see some of the guys that we hadn't seen in years and kind of get everybody together. We could sit and talk and didn't necessarily have to try to talk over everything that was going on at the game. And uh, I think we we really enjoyed each other and I can't wait till we do it again. So, EJ, have you recovered from the alumni tailgate yet? Uh, No, I'm looking probably tomorrow sometime around three, three forty five. I should be recovered. (laughs) But right now I'm still I'm still paying for it. Nice. Well, guys, let's let's go ahead and jump into the game itself. Uh, let's get y'all's thoughts on one positive thing to start with, and on the next go round, we'll talk about one thing that the heels need to improve on. But starting with a thing that you saw the heels execute well against the Hurricanes, Mike. Let's go and start with you on the offense. What was the one thing that you remember thinking? Man, they are really having some success running this type of play. Um, it, their slide protection looked pretty good, um, and for those that may think that slide protection is kind of a catch-all, it, it sort of is. But it's also there's a lot of technique that goes into it. There's a there's a right way and a wrong way to slide protect. And I, when I when I talk about slide protect, I don't mean your normal um, six man slide. Um, you know, send the center one direction with an anchor on the backside. I mean a full a full slide where you have a running back filling the backside and taking that backside defender um, and everybody sliding one gap over um, or potentially two gaps. Um, I, some, some of the slide protection I saw, the technique on that was, was really good. It was really encouraging. There wasn't, um, there wasn't a ton of uh, uh, penetration from Miami's defensive line. Blitzes that came through were generally picked up. So it was very encouraging the second game of the year. There were hiccups and, and there were holes there, but um, there's always things to improve this, this early in the season. But, but to see how well they the guys had picked it up, even after Polino went down, um, to see how well it was getting picked up throughout the 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 vast majority of the game was encouraging. All right, then EJ, what about something on the defense that you saw against Miami that you thought was a big time positive? The pass rush. I mean, the the pass rush was there and it was there consistently. Uh, the whole night. I'm, I'm very impressed from what I saw. I mean, the guys that I was talking about when we were doing the, the preview podcast for the season, uh, Taman Fox, uh, 
Aaron Crawford. They're the guys that are really stepping up. I mean, Fox had one of the biggest games of his careers with the with, with three sacks. But outside of the sacks, what you really have to look at are the quarterback hurries. I mean, outside of the four sacks that we had, uh, we had seven hurries. And I mean, he really wasn't uh, too comfortable all night. Yeah, I mean, numbers wise, he had he had a good game, but that was because some some of the big plays that they were able to get, but. Some of the quarterback hurries, they're distributed through every level. I mean, you see some linebackers getting there, in there getting pressures. You see some people from the secondary, and that just shows you that when we're rushing just our down linemen uh, that we're getting pressure on the quarterback, and we're able to, to, to hit home sometimes with some of our blitzes. So that was really encouraging to see, especially with the style of defense that we want to run this year. Speaking about the style of defense as well, EJ, what did you think about the general play calling from defensive coordinator Jay Bateman in this game? I was happy with the play calling. I think we just need to execute a little bit more. Uh, what I was encouraged by was the guys, uh, they showed a lot of heart and, and they pulled through when we needed them, to, needed them to. But we're giving up a lot of yardage. And going through the season, once teams have a lot of film on us and they know exactly what we're running, some of those plays, some of those weaknesses are going to get exploited. So, I think that the play calling is fine. We just need to to practice, get get used to it, and really uh, cut down on some of the mistakes and some of the mental errors. All right, Mike, let's get your thoughts on the play calling from Phil Longo because I kind of felt that he opened up, up the playbook a little bit more in this game. You know, against South Carolina, especially early on, it was very much kind of with the training wheels. What do you think about his decisions of what to run in this game? Uh, you could tell that they they kind of let Sam go out there and be Sam a little bit. Um, and I think that's the perfect analogy you use. They took the training wheels off some. Um, really, Sam knocked them off uh, against South Carolina and showed the staff and showed Longo that, that they can count on him and they can uh, they can rely on him to make the throws when he needs to make them, at least for the, you know, the relatively vanilla uh, schemes and, and install that they have for these first couple of weeks while he's still getting accustomed to being a college player and while the team is still getting accustomed um, or at least the offensive side of the ball, still getting accustomed to the new offensive scheme. So you saw them open it up a little bit more early on. You saw, obviously, um, was given freedom to make more throws. To They trusted him to make better reads, and he made, for the most part, made those reads. Um, and then they, they stuck to their bread-and-butter run games, which run game, which right now looks like a lot of off-tackle stuff. Um, they're, they're running the ball. They're hitting the perimeter very well, um, and I expect to see that continue against Wake Forest. So, Mike, what is something, though, that you think the offense will need to improve upon, not only for the Wake Forest game, but just as the season progresses? Yeah, so two things. Number one, they're going to have to get Carl Tucker more involved in the passing game. Uh, obviously, Carl's he's out on routes and he's being targeted, um, and he's had some catches, and he's going to continue to make plays in the pass game just because he's, he's a great athlete and he has a ton of experience. Um, but the times that he's been targeted, at least we haven't been successful as much as I would like to see in actually hitting him. Um, and we haven't been as successful, I think, in, in, in getting getting him open as much as we should. He is a real asset in the passing game. And if we're going to if we're going to carve up some defenses and, and, and do some damage in, in the coastal, we're going to need to have our tight end involved. Um, and we have a really good one in Carl. So we need to make sure that Carl's involved. And, and, and it's really early right now in the season. We you know, we don't we don't know that. You know, obviously that's part of the plan because, you know, he's an experienced player and he's a really good player and he was pretty highly regarded in preseason polling and preseason rankings and things like that. So, you know, I, we'll see how it progresses throughout the season. But early on, knee-jerk reaction is that we need to get him more involved, and I'm sure that's part of the plan. So we'll see how that plays out. Number two is our, our inside run game, front side hitting plays. So it's not our 
inside zone plays that are designed to cut back um, for general, general football wisdom. For those that don't know inside run plays are typically, you know, that's some coaches, most coaches called, you know, 14, 15, but there's something with a one in front of them, maybe a two, you know, 20, 20 something, 24, 25, that sort of play. Something hitting the four or five hole. Those are designed to actually cut back behind the double team. That's why the double team is on the backside. It runs from the low technique defensive lineman. So usually a three technique or a two eye um, or a shade on the center. Uh, that double team runs from that low technique to the middle linebacker and play is typically designed to hit backside. The times it hits front side is just when your single blocks, you know, usually with your front side guard and front side tackle are just blocked to perfection the way that they're designed. But typically that play is going to cut back. Um, so we're fine there uh, on cutbacks and on design cutback runs. It looks like we're we're doing pretty well there. And obviously, like I mentioned before, we're fine on perimeter runs, uh, off tackle plays and outside zone and things like that. Where we're struggling right now is plays that are designed to hit front side, and you can tell they're designed to hit front side. Um, we're not getting a ton of push. We're not getting a lot of uh, we're not we're not getting the creases that we need on the front side to break break a lot of those runs, at least not as frequently as we would like. Um, so I want I'd like to see that more often. And the reason why that's important is uh, the reason why improvement there is important is that it's going gonna, it's gonna to force, uh, you know, not just the box to get stacked. The box is going to be stacked on, you know, anytime we're successful running the ball, defenses are going to stack the box. What it's going to do is it's going to put eyeballs and, 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 and physical body lean towards those inside gaps um, from your linebackers. It's going to cause a lot of, you'll see a, a, a lot of a pair of three techniques, a pair of two eyes, things like that, trying to clog up the middle. And what that's going to do is it's going to create a bias towards or at least a preference or a hedge towards stopping those inside runs. And what that's going to do is it's going to open up the things that we're good at. It's going to give us more opportunities to execute um, the things we're good at much easier. So that's your quick hitting pass game on the outside, bubble screens, um, swing passes, and then obviously your outside hitting run plays, or outside zone, your tosses, um, counter plays that are designed to hit in the eight or nine hole, that sort of thing. So. Um, that's two things. Get Carl Tucker more involved in the pass game, get him more catches, get him more touchdowns, and then um, improve on our front side hitting, front side design runs. All right, good stuff. Let's go ahead and take our first commercial break to talk about our friends at giantt-shirt.com. And then when we get back, we'll go ahead and hear EJ Wilson's thoughts on what the defense needs to improve upon on the season moving forward. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. As everyone listening to this podcast should know, or if you're a first-time listener, what you need to know is that when you need Tar Heel gear, Johnny T-Shirt is your place to go. You can either shop online at GiantT-Shirt.com or head to their location on Franklin Street where they have been in business for decades. They are a locally and family-owned business, and they are where you can go to to get everything you need for that perfect tailgate. They also have the clear bags that are allowed in Keenan Stadium. They have the brand-new Mac is back and return the Mac shirts. So when you're in Chapel Hill for game day, make sure that you swing by a giant T-shirt there on Franklin Street. Go ahead and get the Tar Heel gear for everyone in the family. Or if you're out of town, you can always shop at GiantT-Shirt.com. And remember that premium subscribers on Inside Carolina save 10% off of their orders either at giantt-shirt.com or there at the location on Franklin Street. You can get the code from the Inside Carolina Premium Message Boards. So remember to sign up for that. Start saving your 10%. Giant T-Shirt and giantt-shirt.com, your place to go for Carolina gear. And we're back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with EJ Wilson and Mike Ingersoll. All right, EJ, we just heard Mike break down some things that the offense needs to improve upon as the season moves forward. What's something that you think that the defense will need to fix both for Wake Forest and for future opponents? 
Well, we obviously need to be more uh, consistent against the run. Um, we're giving up 3.8 yards per rushing attempt right now, and that really doesn't sound that bad. But, I mean, I, I really did, don't see where we've played some outstanding ru- or running attacks like we'll probably see through the remainder of the season. I mean, we've done a, a pretty good job up front of, of keeping our linebackers clean, allow them to flow and, and get to these uh, – and get to the running back as we're seeing by some of the tackles for loss and the number of just the number of tackles that our linebackers are getting. But I still think we need to focus on that. And with some of the entries that we're getting in the back end, I think we're really going to have to focus on our coverage and being disciplined uh, with what with what we're seeing, uh, being disciplined and watching our film and knowing the route combinations that we're going to get. I mean, you look at the the duo that we're going up against Friday night against Wake Forest. I mean, they both uh, one has eleven catches for I think two hundred and four yards, and uh, Surratt has like thirteen for like two hundred or something like that. But these are both uh, big receivers who are going to give us some challenges. Uh, but I, I think we'll stand up to that. So if we can moving on through the season, improve our play against the run, keep our pass rush uh, up to the level it is, and just improve upon that, become more consistent, develop more uh, different combinations for our pass rush attack, and just uh, stay disciplined in the back end, keep making plays like we've been doing, and just play a consistent brand of football through four quarters and not just when the game's on the line. I mean, it's good that we are uh, stiffening up and doing what we need to do to win these games, but if we can play that same consistent great brand of football the whole game I think that we'll see ourselves in the lead more often than not going out through the season so on Friday night in Winston-Salem against Wake Forest the heels are going to go up against Jamie Newman the Wake Forest quarterback who is leading the league right now I think it's in pass efficiency and a couple other statistics as well and when you're looking at that matchup EJ what do you think that the defense needs to do in order to limit the effectiveness of Newman like would you think maybe they need to bring the heat a little bit more do you think that Jay Bateman may be a little bit more conservative how would you approach someone that's so accurate from the QB spot we need to get him get him off the spot we need to show that we need to make him show us that he can be accurate moving around the pocket don't let him get back there uh go through his progressions get his read and and settle his feet uh and, and I think that'll at least disrupt his momentum and just make him have to throw uh, from different positions that he's not really comfortable with. We're also going to have to tighten up on our coverage and probably show uh, try to show something unique or disguise the coverage to something that he's never seen before. But I think the key is going to be getting him off the spot and just making him uncomfortable in the pocket, tighten that pocket and make him throw from a smaller window. I think that's going to be the key to this. He's shown that uh, he can be consistent. He's an efficient passer. So uh, I, I think that we do have a tall task on our hands, but I don't think it's anything that that we can't handle. Uh, if we can just get after the passer like we did against Miami uh, last Saturday night, I think we should be fine against that. All right. And then, Mike, what about on offense? You know, Wake Forest, they haven't played the, the toughest of schedules yet. They played Utah State and Rice. And, you know, they've given up 35 to Utah State, 21 to Rice. So the defense there, I think it has some questions. When you're looking at how the offense can game plan, what would you do in order to really put the points on the board on Friday night? I would test them vertically first. Um, you know, usually you'd set up the, you know, use the run to set up the pass a little bit. Um, you know, Wake knows that we're we're able to run the ball. So what I would do is I would I would start to stretch them vertically. I would take Daz Newsome and Toe Groves and see if I can, you know, get get some deep stuff going. Um, and then once we get down in the red zone, see how are they going to handle you know back shoulder fades and things like that. That's when you get guys like Carl Tucker and Bo Corrales involved. Um, you know, down down there in the red zone and just see how are they going to handle those 
I'll call them staples in the passing game um, because one thing we did very well against Miami was we stretched the field. And, um, you know, obviously by stretching the field, you thin out the front seven. And if we're able to do that against Wake Forest early, then I think we'll be able to use that to actually set up the run. And once you start running all over a team, you'll, you'll end up breaking their back, um, you know, by the fourth quarter. So um, I think that's one thing that I would look for is for Carolina to try and stretch them early, see if they can, you know, see if they can stretch them. And if they can, then use the threat of that to, to your advantage in the run game, but then also to set up some of the screen game. We haven't seen a ton of screens so far this season. Um, That's going to be really helpful, especially if Wake is getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Remember, Nick Polino is out. So we don't know exactly how they're going to go um, or how the offensive line is going to hold up now without that, without that experienced senior leader right there in the middle. And obviously that's, you know, Sam Howell's guy, senior snap into a freshman, you know, that, that matters. Um, that, that does play a role without him gone. We'll see how that's, how that's going to play out in, you know, in terms of pass protection. If Wake is getting a lot of pressure early on, you just start screening them to death. You use their penetration and you use that pressure against them and you use that to slow them down and then once you slow them down you break a couple of screens you know they'll start staying home a little bit on the pass rush and then you can get back to your original game plan of stretching the field and trying to beat them vertical and opening things up so you can create some space for the running game to really again break their back by the fourth quarter moving back over to the defense you know ej looking here at game number three on the season the tar heels did lose patrice renee for the season with his acl injury but at this point how do you think that the the backup players so the second string you know defensive line the rotation at linebacker and in the secondary how do you think that they're going to be performing now by game three do you think that we could really start to see them kind of grasp a little bit more the intricacies of the Jay Bateman defense by this point, or is it still a little bit too early? I definitely think they they should be ready to grasp. They probably had a grasp of it good uh, enough for the coaches to put them in that in that backup position. They were comfortable enough with their knowledge of the playbook, and knowledge of the schemes, to be able to say, okay, if this guy goes down or this guy gets tired, we can throw him in the game. So um, I'm more than confident that these guys are ready, but nothing's going to get you ready, like actually experiencing it. So it's one thing to know, okay, if I see this to do this, but it's one thing to actually be in there where live bullets are going and kind of think on the fly. So there will be an adjustment period. We might see a little bit of hesitation from some of these reserve guys, but um, I'm more than confident in Storm Duck, who what what from what I'm reading from the coaching staff is going to be the guy that's going to uh, step in. So uh, I'm more than confident. Uh, he, he's a bigger guy, which is, kind of encouraging going against these bigger receivers against Wake Forest. So I think once he goes in and starts to to get more experience, I think that this is going to be good for him. I think that we're going we're to see a player that's going to be a good player in this program uh, for years to come. So I'm more than confident in his ability, um, from especially from what I saw from him during the spring. So I think he and the rest of the backups will be more than capable. I mean, even uh, I know going into the season, uh, I was talking about uh, – what are we going to see from this second team defensive line? And I'm even impressed with, with what they've been able to do and coming in and kind of keeping up the same level of play as a starter. So I'm kind of happy with what I'm seeing at this point in game three. Uh, is it a finished product? No, but I'm encouraged by the progression that I'm seeing. 
Mike, about the offense, you know, with Sam Howell, this will be his first true road game test. Um, the game against South Carolina and Charlotte, it was a majority of Gamecock fans, but it's not going to be near the same environment as the Demon Deacons are going to put on because they hate Carolina. This is going to be their early Super Bowl for the entire season. How do you think Howell will be performing in Winston-Salem? Well, there's going to be jitters early on. And Wake is a tough place to play. It was for us. I mean, we played there in 2007. And, you know, that was, you know, I think Riley Skinner was still the quarterback and Aaron Curry was, you know, their middle linebacker. And I remember second play of the game, Curry ran one back, you know, to the house, pick six. And it was uphill from that point forward. It was not a pretty day for us. And it seems like Carolina has always had a difficult time playing at Wake. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the high school stadium feel that it has, if it's you know something to do with the turf, it's that stupid little hill they got right behind the the uprights <laughs> leading into the visiting locker room and that little tiny locker room that you know that that you have to get dressed in. I don't know what it is, but there's something psychological about playing at Wake that I just never liked it. And I think that that's that's going to hold true this time. Now I th- I think early on Sam's going to have some jitters, but then he's going to shake them off again. It's going to be a, it's all a matter of how much pressure is he getting. If he's got guys in his face, it doesn't matter if he's true freshman Sam Howell or if he's fifth year senior season TJ Yates. Right? I mean, you got pressure in your face. It's difficult. It's difficult to play quarterback. It's difficult to throw a football on time to a running receiver. You know, on a, you know to a moving target. It's just it's going to be a, it's going to be a rough day for him. So. Sam's going to go as the offensive line goes, and he's going to go as his help goes, um, you know, in terms of are we able to run the ball? Um, are his receivers catching the ball? Is he, you know, are, is he going to have space to run and create things for himself? You know, so he's going to have space out there to kind of to, to dink and dive and duck and dodge ball. Um, you know, what, what's he going to be able to do out there, um, you know, from a improvisation standpoint, is he, the, all that stuff helps him feel comfortable as a player. And it's going to start first and foremost with whether we can keep him clean and keep guys out of his face. And if we can do that, I think he'll have his jitters early on first or second, first or second series, and then he'll settle in and realize, you know, look, man, this is just like any other game. It's just, you know, uh, the stands look different, um, but it's still a hundred yard field and it's still turf and it's still the same as everywhere else I played. So. I think we'll see him shake that off and have a pretty good game. But again, it's going to go as the offensive line goes, which is the number one thing I'll be paying attention to. And Howell's definitely looked poised early on. So I I think it it is encouraging to Tar Heel fans just how he's been able to handle pressure, especially late in the fourth quarter, making big-time throws. Let's go ahead and take our last commercial break. And when we get back, we'll go ahead and wrap up the podcast. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop, make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd, only on Paramount Plus. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! And we're back with the Inside Carolina podcast. So, uh, you know, Mike, you mentioned about how playing in Wake Forest is pretty tough. And I was looking at the um, rivalry here. So over the last four games, it's actually even two and two with both teams holding serve at home. And that 2007 
year. Uh, EJ, do you remember by any chance the score in 2007 when the Heels played against Wake Forest at Winston-Salem? Uh, it was a, lot, it was a lot to a little. 37 to 10. Really? Yeah. 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 Right. You know, look, when you're looking back to against playing against the Demon Deacons, EJ, was there ever like an extra little umph against them considering that they were an in-state team or were they kind of easy to overlook just because of their historical not being that great at football? So when we played them my redshirt freshman year, we kind of overlooked them and we really didn't take the game. I mean, we were bad then, but we didn't really look at them as like an NC State or a Duke or a ECU. It's just kind of that that other team from the ACC. But when we played them in 2007, there was like an extra chip on our shoulder because they beat us in that game. And the fashion that they beat us was, was kind of embarrassing. So um, it's, it's, it is hard to kind of look at them as a rival, being that they're kind of out there on an island by themselves in Winston-Salem. And we have Duke and NC State right here in our faces and ECU somehow screaming and making noise screaming that we're relevant we're relevant out in Greenville so it's kind of it is hard to kind of easy to overlook them but I mean an in-state rivalry is an in-state rival I mean at at some day you're gonna have a kid that's gonna want to that's some for some reason gonna be choosing between Wake Forest and UNC and I think that this game goes a long way in recruiting if anything so I still think it's an important. I still think it's an important game, um, and for us, every game is important. And any bragging rights that we can have is great. But for me, the first game probably overlooked them. Second game was more so of a more so of a get back experience. Now, Mike, I'm sure that that you've seen all the reports on how Coach Mac Brown has been preaching about winning the the state championship. Something that. You know, he had back in the 80s when he was head coaching the Tar Heels for the first time around. How big of a motivational tool do you think that really is to kids to hear the coach say, look, we want to be the best program in state. So we have to beat these in-state teams, no matter like the historical rivalry there. I mean, it matters conceptually as, as rah-rah stuff um, for most guys. And, and it, that's how that's how it was for me. So I didn't put a lot of stock into it until we lost the state championship right in 06 we lost to wake we lost um or sorry let me rephrase in 07 we lost to we lost the state we lost to wake we beat duke but you know duke back then wasn't there wasn't a whole lot going on with duke so it was just it was kind of a black eye and 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 it really it really stung frankly um you know you didn't realize how much it really mattered until until you lost it um and, and and i hope these guys don't have to learn that the same way that we did I always wish that we would have had another shot at Wake going forward. Um, obviously, we lost in '07. We lost the ECU too. So there was, you know, there was the Wake loss. There was there was the State loss, and there was the ECU loss. I mean, that was that was a tough pill to swallow. So I would hope these guys, they obviously don't remember that they were children back when that happened, but um, that they take stock in what Coach Brown is saying that this really does matter from a pride standpoint, and and it and it will propel you. I mean, keep in mind we're two and zero. This would be a third win. Um, everybody, of course, has their eyes on the Clemson game. And if you got a 4-0 Carolina and a 4-0 Clemson coming together, um, you know, that's going to that's gonna generate a lot of buzz. That's going to get a lot of national attention. And I think we know what the end result of that game will be. But still, I mean, the hype the hype train has left the station. And this I've talked about this all day with people that, that wanted to talk about the game this Friday. The hype train has left the station. And it's going to be really easy to overlook Wake Forest right now. Um, but, you know, and, and it's also naive to think that, you know, everybody doesn't have their even I'm talking about in the locker room now. 
that those guys don't have their eyes on that Clemson game. But in order to get there at 4-0, to see the big picture, to accomplish the big picture, at least this first third of the season, right? Um, this, this, this first third of the season is, is only going to be unblemished if you take care of business this Friday and then you take care of business next Saturday. So keep an eye on the big picture, but also understand you got you to you do what you got to do this Friday and you got you to gotta handle your own this Friday. And I, I hope the guys are really paying attention. I think they are. I think Coach Brown and that staff are, are certainly keeping them grounded. Um, but it is going to be easy to get distracted because, like I said, the hype train has left the station. And I really hope these guys don't start believing the press clippings and, and believing their own BS because, you know, college football, it's very, very difficult to win games. And it's even more difficult to win games when you only won two the year before. So uh, I hope they stay grounded. I hope they keep their eyes on the prize and, and take care of what they need to take care of this Friday. Yeah, I think Coach Brown and the coaching staff is definitely cognizant of that. Just real quick to to kind of wrap this up, uh, EJ, what's your thoughts about playing on Friday night uh, as having college football then? I think it's not that big of adjustment, I guess, uh, earlier on in your career. I mean, because especially for for Sam Howell, I mean, it's going to be just like old times. I mean, being he was in high school last night, playing the majority of his game on, on Friday night, but as a player, I think I would like it. It just kind of gives you that one extra day uh, to, to rest over the weekend and kind of have a day to yourself. But it does kind of crunch that practice together during the week. So I guess it would all depend on, on who you're playing. You definitely wouldn't want two tough games uh, sandwiched in between that, even though these will be two competitive games. It's really all about how you prepare and, and what's your state of mind. For me, I think I would have liked it earlier on in my career, but it's fun to watch those Thursday and Friday night games, but it's not as fun to play them. Uh, I can remember when we played Rutgers uh, on a Thursday night uh, and we had practiced on a Sunday uh, to watch film. And I wasn't a big fan of that. So uh, keep my games on Saturday if I'm a college football player. You mean you had, you had better things to do on Sunday than, than practice, EJ? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like sleep. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, uh, j- just real quick, what about your thoughts on playing on Friday? Uh, I think Friday nights are for varsity football, Saturdays and Thursdays are for college football, and Sundays and Mondays are for NFL football, and television has skewed that scheduling. Um, then there's always some action sprinkled sprinkled in there in the middle of the week, but I mean, I, I don't want to say this, you know, I don't want to sound like an elitist, but I mean, I did play at a Power 5, you know, Division One school. I always kind of look down my nose a little bit at those midweek games or those kind of um, you know, those funky night games, um, like a Friday night college, you know, division one college football game. It just, it just looks odd. It doesn't feel right. Um, those were typically teams that no one was really all that interested in. Um, so it, it's almost, I don't want to say it's insulting, but it just feels a little off. Um, I, you know, I think that television has made scheduling football games, um, uh, difficult. It's, it's obviously skewed things some, uh, I don't think that television should have the control over college football scheduling that it does. Uh, unfortunately, that's the world we live in. We're never going to go back from it, so it's time to just get used to it. And I'm hoping that you know it, th- these you know Friday night ACC games will 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 become uh, a little more marquee matchups. You know, moving forward, that they you know some 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 bigger names, some bigger teams will play. It'll draw more attention to the league, much like the old um, Thursday night ACC versus Big East games were. Um, I feel like those were. Back then, there was only one Thursday night game on. It was that ACC versus Big East rivalry matchup, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, between the conferences. And there was that's it. All eyeballs in the country were on us. And then they started throwing a second college game on Thursday nights, which I didn't really like because I thought it detracted from the first game. Um, and then obviously the NFL came in and, and decided they were going to take up some airtime too, which 
it was the end of Thursday nights being special for college football and special for the ACC. So maybe Friday nights will now become our new Thursday night, like like Thursdays used to be. I don't know, but I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of it. I'm kind of in the same boat as EJ, but you know it is it is what it is now. We're not getting away from it, so um, yeah, it's here to stay. Yep, TV money will always win out in the end. So let's go ahead and wrap this up with predictions. Mike, since we just got done hearing from you, let's go ahead and get your thoughts. What do you think the score will be against Wake Forest? Uh, I'm going to go 34-24 to 24 Carolina. Uh, I think they're going to score some points. Like you mentioned earlier, uh, Utah State dropped 30-something on them. Uh, they had 20-something dropped on them by Rice. I think Carolina is going to be able to score some points, and I think the defense is going to get just enough stops. Patrice Renee is a very good player, and he's got another year eligibility if he wants to come back. I hear the CFL draft chirping at him. I, I see that already because he's Canadian, for those those of you who don't know, and he will be drafted in the first round of the CFL draft based on how things work up there. Um, if you played in American school, you will get drafted in the CFL draft, and Patrice is certainly good enough to be a star up there. Um, but I, I would hope he'd come back for his, an extra year if he takes it. But I don't think his loss is going to be as detrimental as we think it's going to be. I'm more concerned about Polino's loss on the offensive line, but I think they'll overcome it. And uh, I'm predicting a 34-24 win at Wake on Friday. I'll be there too, by the way. So anyone wants to come find me, I'll be around. Very nice. All right, EJ, let's get your prediction. And what do you got for this one, man? I kind of agree with Mike. I don't think that our losses on defense will be as big as our losses on offense. So, But I'm going to go with 38-17. I think that we're going to – yeah, yeah. I'm I'm I mean, I was almost right with the South Carolina game. So I mean, just 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 roll with me. Bear, bear with me for a second, guys. <laughs> Let me be the extreme optimist. I think that we're gonna come out and of course we're gonna struggle a little bit. First away game for the quarterback. I think it's gonna we're gonna come out to a slow start, but I think we're gonna get a couple big plays, big stops, turnover on defense that's gonna spring us to a big play on offense. And I think that that's going to be the confidence boost that we need. And I think it's going to be up from there. So 38-17, I'm sticking with it. All right, good deal. I'm going to go with 28-21 myself, heels on top. I think it will be a little bit closer than EJ's blowout. I mean, look, if the heels do do decide just, you know, go ahead and run this thing up, I will not complain. But I think it'll be close, 28-21. And so we'll go ahead and wrap this one up, though, guys. EJ, Mike, thanks a lot for talking to me. Hope you guys have a good rest of the week. Thank you. Thanks, man. You too. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.